0: One of the reasons I wrote the book is that this is not just a story about Steubenville, Ohio. This is a story about America. And all these towns like Steubenville, the town you're talking about, were very vibrant and important cities for the country. And they're all gone now. And for example, I was playing golf with a a person about a year ago. And someone was writing a book. And he started talking about his life in Kansas, and he said, "We had the exact same town. We, you know, we had dust systems, we had department stores, and all this sort of thing. It's all gone. It's all closed." And so, it's just amazing when you really talk to people about how they have very similar experiences. And you know, when I think about when I think about the political uncertainty in the United States today, mm-hmm. in the polarization, it, it reminds it, it to me. It really has a root cause in, in offshoring all of our basic industries. This is Jerry Madden. I'm the author of Steel Valley. Coming of age in the Ohio Valley in the 1960s, it's a love story. I grew up in the Ohio Valley. Uh, My parents were born in the Ohio Valley. I was actually born in Memphis, Tennessee. We had a reversal of fortune, shall we say, when I was five years old. I mean, I lived with my grandmother in Steubenville, Ohio. And one of the things that's really remarkable about that is when I graduated from uh, high school and went into college at the end of the 1960s, uh, the steel mill went into a steep decline. And uh, at the same time, the Catholic schools that I... Went to. We're all taught by, all we were all taught by nuns, and they all left. So when I left the valley, or when I came of age, the steel industry died, and the nuns that ran the schools left, and the schools closed. So it was it always really impacted me, and I've always thought that was a remarkable uh, piece of history. And I've been thinking about writing this book for at least twenty-five years, and uh, eventually, I. I mean, I had the story, but I didn't have a love story to deal with it. So I had the back story, but not the front story. It took me about a year to write, and
1: it was published last January. Our guest is Jerry Madden. He is the author of the book Steel Valley and Coming of Age in the Ohio Valley in the 1960s. I just presumed that the love story was about you. The main
0: male character is a guy named Jack Clark, who in many ways is similar to my story. I mean, he is, for example, the house that he lives in, the house that I lived in, I was part of a big family. He was, you know, he's had a big family. So in some ways, particularly through high school, the story is a, a bit autobiographical and writ large. And so it is in that, in that sense. Now, the other main character, Lori Carmine, is an Italian girl. Jack Clark's an Irish girl. And... She is not somebody that I knew per se, but she, but I knew a lot of Italian girls, and it's sort of based on my experiences there. This young Jack Clark was very smitten with Lori Carmine from the time he met her in seventh grade through high school and college. So, in that sense,
1: yeah, it's it is sort of about me. <laughs> well, you and Mister Clark also, you served you served in Vietnam, or you you were in the Marines anyway.
0: I was in the Marine Corps. I did not serve in Vietnam. So that once you get to the College years after that, it, it's pure fiction. But I did drop out of college and go to the Marine Corps in 1970 as a reservist and I trained with the Marines going to Vietnam. And I came back home and finished college. And in the book, Jack Clark drops out of college and goes
1: to the Marine Corps but ends up in Vietnam. And so, in that sense, that's, that's fictional. Can you tell us more about that? I mean, obviously, I've got other questions about Steel Valley, but what is that story? I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people have similar stories, I mean, it's sort of
0: the story about the you know the one that got away. It's typical, I guess I was a thirteen year old and I met this young girl Italian girl going to a different different elementary school, which was all Italian stopped by different different order of nuns and you know met at a basketball game basically, and I was just totally in love with her, mm-hmm. never stopped her, of course because I was you know I was thirteen years old skinny and you know, shy and all that. I kept running into her, and and we ended up in in high school together because all the elementary Catholic parochial schools fed into a larger uh, high school called Catholic Central High School in Steubenville. She had someone that I was terribly smitten with, but I honestly never dated her. And in the book, that's sort of what happens. And he gradually, he becomes more mature, and he's he's still very intimidated by her, but eventually he opens up to her. They uh, In the time they finish college... Uh, Mm -hmm. things happen to both of them that take them off in directions they never could have anticipated or desired, and that's the rest of the book. And so it's uh, it's sort (laughs) of a, yeah, that's a love story. It's very tender, and it's it's
1: gotten some really good uh, feedback from people who've read it. In terms of your real life, I mentioned the Marines, but you became an attorney. In fact, you're uh, practicing law now in Washington, D.C.,
0: that's right. That's right. So in the book, uh, yeah, this, this person, Jack Clark, eventually does end up going to law school and lo and behold, he ends up in, in Washington, D.C. But that is the story
1: at that time. Like I said, from college on, it's purely fictional. Jerry Madden is the author of Steel Valley, Coming of Age in the Ohio Valley in the 1960s. I am interested in your uh, backstory. It's similar and different. Uh, from a lot of the stories we've told on the Historian's Podcast and in my newspaper columns here in the Mohawk Valley in upstate New York, because uh, our area, too, once w- had a certain dominant industry or industries and uh, that uh, went by the boards in the 60s, 70s, and uh, 80s. So I'm curious what happened out in Steel Valley. And there's there's more than one Steel Valley, right? Yeah, I'm in the
0: upper Ohio Valley. Uh, Steubenville is the town on the Ohio River. It's about 38 miles south of Pittsburgh. You know, the High River starts in Pittsburgh. So, yes, and the steel mills from Pittsburgh to Wheeling, which is about 20 miles south of Steubenville, from all the way down the river is all steel mills uh, that, that just dominated the, the industry there. But, yes, the Honing Valley in Youngstown is also still in you know, Steel Valley. And, of course, the steel industry was in, in Cleveland. And it was in you know, Gary, Indiana and uh, elsewhere. But, Pittsburgh, you know, U.S. Steel was in Pittsburgh, and then on down from Pittsburgh all the way to Wheeling was all all steel mills, and it, it was Wheeling-Pittsburgh Steel, which is the, the mill that was in mm-hmm. Siouxville, Ohio, um, employed 19,000 men, uh, you know, it, it's, when I was in high school, and that doesn't count, you know, the, the, the coal mines and the barge operators and the truckers and all the rest of it. It's a highly capital-intensive industry, so all in, it's hard to say, maybe 50,000 people employed in that industry one way or another. Mm. And so, uh, not to mention the people who supported the economy generally. So, really, that was the heart and soul of, of the valley. And, uh, you know, it's like I said, when I left high school, it, it started to decline and,
1: and just disappeared. It's a real stupid question. What did the, they make steel, uh, these mills, or they made steel? Um, for what? And, and what does it look like when they're done making it?
0: That's an interesting question. So, steel is a combination of, of iron ore, sand. It's, it's a highly uh, capital-intensive process. And so the, the iron ore itself was not mined in the Ohio Valley. It was up in the upper, upper regions of Lake Superior. So that's where the ore came from. It came down across the Great Lakes, and then it was transported by the rail or truck down into the, uh, the Ohio Valley that was combined with other ingredients that were were locally there and uh, and so it's it, and it's massive you know these these mills are i mean they're just they could stretch for miles i mean this is real but the railroad's all around it i mean it's really it's really quite something so if you're around one of those steel mills when they're operating it you can hear the, din of the of uh, the trains and the you know the whistles and and uh, just the noise of the whole thing plus all the um, all the smoke and everything that goes with it, it it's, it's really it, you know you you won't, you won't miss the
1: fact that you're in a steel
0: town. Why
1: did, uh, for example, Steubenville become a steel town, or these other uh, places that did? I mean, is there some reason that they would have located there? Well, I
0: think the river is the main reason. I mean,
1: had steelworks in,
0: in Steubenville going back to the 1820s, but you know, big steel arrived in around the early 1900s. There were three enterprises that had failed. They were in the steel business and they were bought up, and Wheeling Steel was formed. Uh, and uh, so they took what they had and they expanded it greatly, and they they made virgin steel right there in, in Steubenville and Mingo Junction, which is three miles south of that
1: what went wrong that turned this around and, and what's the situation today do they still make steel in steubenville and places like that no no they don't make steel in steubenville anymore
0: uh so steel mills of course ran uh full blast through world war ii and uh and after world war ii the only real steel industry standing was in the United States. I mean, Japan had been destroyed, Germany had been destroyed, other countries' mills had been destroyed, and so with all the pent-up demand from the depression and from the war, the mills in the United States ran full blast until the early '70s. Uh, and because they didn't have any competition, they really didn't modernize. And at the same time, all these industries, industry in other countries which had been destroyed, were rebuilt, and they were had better better technology. I mean, for example, wheeling steel used what's, what was called open hard furnaces, which are very inefficient. And the new mills in other countries didn't do that. So they eventually, those mills caught up with, with uh, the industry in the United States. And at the same time, of course, plastics were becoming much more uh, prevalent in everything. There used to be, they used to use steel, but they, didn't, they stopped using steel for that. So you came to a point in the United States where you started having surplus steel and plus the competition of the other countries, and they just could not compete. And they tried to, and they engaged in a pretty substantial uh, rebuilding program in the 60s, spent, I don't know, half of $500 million trying to modernize the, the um, you know the works, but it just wasn't, it was too late, and too little too late. Plus, frankly, the unions, uh, they were it was a very good way of life. I mean, steel workers were in the top, third of you know, average household income, and uh, raised families, sent the kids to college, and it was really a good life. But it did make uh still less competitive because it, you know, cheaper labor uh, abroad was was another problem. I
1: noticed you don't live there anymore.
0: <laughs> Have you ever thought of going back? <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, I, I graduated from college, the College of St. Louisville in 1971. I lived there for a while. I did social work actually in Steubenville for about a year and a half. Uh, but eventually, I went to law school and uh, went off to uh, Washington D.C. I was going to go back to Ohio, but not not Steubenville. I mean, Steubenville was really a dying town. I mean, today it has about eighteen thousand people living there. But at the time I was going to school there, it was about forty thousand. And uh, you know, so now the town is really, the downtown is virtually a ghost town, and so it wasn't. It made, for example, when I went back to my high school reunion, in my union reunion, uh, which was, uh, I guess, around 86 or so, uh, there were almost nobody lived in Superville. Everybody was in Chicago or Boston or New York or, or elsewhere. There just wasn't anything that could keep you there. So the town is, is like many, many towns throughout the United States. It's just their shells because all the industry was, of course, offshore and, what
1: what what's left is you know it's it's uh, it's really sad, frankly. And haven't um, countries of foreign origin? I'm thinking particularly of Japan. Haven't they bought some of these steel mills? I mean, who owns U.S. Steel now? Yes, well, U.S.
0: Steel is being purchased. uh it was just announced recently uh, by some foreign foreign uh, country, uh, a foreign business. But yeah the the, the Russians have owned part of the steel industry in the in the valley for a while and that did work and that you know there have been foreign interests that have come in and bought up those mills but it's not been able to make them work and recently somebody is i forget who it is that they have a contract to buy us steel and there's this become a big political football about whether that should be allowed or not but but you so yeah there are foreign interests uh, that are you know, players in investing in steel in the United states but it's it's just not
1: the industry that I grew up with. Jerry Madden uh, is the author of a novel, a, a romance uh, novel, if you will, about growing up in Steel Valley, a coming of age in the Ohio Valley in the 1960s. Can you tell us more about what was what was good about it then? I mean, what uh, your protagonist there, the uh, young Italian girl, the young... Uh, I forget if he gave a, an ethnic a uh, monarch or to the other guy the other guy. what, what, what what's your life vibes like?
0: Well there's one of the things people like about the book is I have some pictures of the various parts of the book I'm talking about. And there's some pictures of downtown Steubenville you know, in the book. And if you look at that overview of downtown, uh it was a vibrant downtown area. I mean it you know it's and the city bus system that was robust. And, you know, they had ninety-five to a hundred stores in the downtown area. You know, from Sears to JC Penney's to uh, you know a, the hub, which was a private department store, hardware stores, restaurants, jewelry stores, and the and in and the rest of it. And it was a very very. I mean, it, it looked like Chicago, but it was very small. it was just that kind of a town, and so. Uh, because, you know, the unions, as I said, the AFL-CIO, those still workers got paid very well. So I didn't even know about, I didn't even understand class distinctions when I was growing up. Everybody just seemed to be virtually, you know, pretty much the same. And uh, and you had two high schools. You had our Catholic high school and one public high school, and we were great rivals, and it was always the last game, football game of the season, and, you know, that was just a lot of, it had a certain spirit that was really you just can't you, know, you just can't uh, you just can't make it up, um, yeah. and so it was. Uh, and then it just slowly disappeared. And and uh, it was just uh, it was it was very vibrant. And then I guess if you stood, if you stayed in the town, you probably wouldn't notice it happening so much. But if you left right at the apex, which I did, and then you come back. 20 years later, it, it
1: really is quite shocking. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, well, I'm, I must say, what you're saying sounds so much like uh, what uh, let's say, people I grew up with said in their older age uh, from whatever upstate New York town we're, we're talking about. And I live in the, oh I guess you could call it the capital district of New York State, but the city I came from was the carpet city, like You had the steel city, uh, and all those carpet mills are gone. Other things have come in there, but people will go through this litany of oh, we used to have this, we used to have that, (laughs) and we. I don't know. People are just very sad about things. I must say, you know, that I was thinking about it. Our area, the Mohawk Valley, we have more diversity of employment, or did. We have a big General Electric plant and still have a a General Electric plant. We're also near the seat of government. The capital of New York State is in Albany, and they're not about to move that to uh, Japan. (laughs) Yeah, that certainly
0: helps. Uh,
1: Yes. I mean, I think the
0: thing about what you're talking about is one of the reasons I wrote the book is that this is not just a story about Steubenville, Ohio. This is a story about America and all these towns like Steubenville and the town you're talking about were very vibrant and important cities for the country and they're all gone now and uh, for example I was playing golf with a, with a person about a year ago and I was writing a book and he started talking about his life in Kansas and he said Doc, we had the exact same town we, you know, we had systems we had department stores and all this sort of thing it's all gone it's all closed and so it's it's just amazing when you really talk to people about how they have very similar experiences. And, you know, when I think about, when I think about the political uncertainty in the United States today in mm-hmm. the polarization. It, it reminds, it, I, I, it, to me, it really has a root cause in, in offshoring all of our basic industries because that, you know that's what support that was the backbone of the country. I remember talking to a really good friend of mine back in the early nineties. He was saying, "You know, Jerry, they're gonna we're gonna they're gonna outsource all this blue collar manufacturing jobs to other countries. It's gonna be cheaper. It's gonna be, it's gonna be really good for the economy. And, you know, get cheaper goods." And I I looked at him and I said, "Jeff, what do you think is going to happen when all these jobs are outsourced? What do you think these people who had these jobs are going to do?" And I think you know, it's, as it turned out, I, I was right. That these people are—they know what they had, and they know it's lost, and they and they and they would like it back. They're probably not going to get it back, but you know, what was lost was really important to the country.
1: One thing I've noticed in uh, Amsterdam and other of the declining or the upstate communities that have declined is uh, the old the. As the generations get older, some come back to the homeland, if you will, to take care of the old folks, and then they stay there because if they're retired, you know, it's really not a bad life up here. And I don't know about uh, out uh, in Steubenville, Ohio, but, you know, we have, um, oh, I don't know, nice hills and mountains and lakes and so on and so forth. So that's provided some People returning to the area yeah that that's that's true well
0: you know Stuville the Stuville area is a lot cleaner
1: <laughs> now than it
0: was because the mill produces a lot of graphite and other you know pollutants called soot and stuff so it's a lot cleaner, but it's again it's half the population, but you're right <laughs> right it is a it is a nice place to live if you have someone to make a living uh there's plenty of homes available it's much cheaper to buy a home there. A lot of homes are now in disuse and disrepair because they're just abandoned. Uh,
1: oh, but, yes. Yeah. You know, and
0: so I I've, 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 I think one of the things about the pandemic we, we keep hearing about is since people are not needing to go to the office so much that people can work remotely. And So there is some thought that it would make sense to go to some of these towns and buy a really nice old home at, at a very low price and, you know, work from home.
1: So. Maybe that'll be you know, one of the things that will help these cities. One of the industries we had up here was glove making right, in Gloversville and Johnstown and places like that. And the young people left that uh, way of making a living way back. You know, back in the early 1900s, they were getting out of Dodge, if you will. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, and I don't know if any of them would have any interest in coming back maybe if you opened uh, some
0: industrial uh, manufacturing companies in the high valley i think that uh, there would be no problem finding people to work there put it that way i mean that's one of the at the end of the book i talk about you know reshoring some of the industry and in that you know in the the, the uh, jack clark the lawyer spends his career trying to Attract industry back to the Ohio Valley because you have all these great people, and it is beautiful, like you said. I mean, the Ohio River uh, is uh, beautiful, and the mountains are, are gorgeous, and it's it's a delightful place. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I think uh, there's plenty of opportunity. There's plenty of resources there to to re-industrialize
1: the United States, if you will. But do you know any, like your family? Are they like my Two kids are one still lives here, although they're now getting to be 50 in their 50s. And they're and they're part of the group of people that work from home. And so they're looking around the country kind of to decide where they're going to go. And my son has been all over the place. Um, so it, it, in my limited experience, I haven't seen much of the of, of um the younger generation wanting to come back.
0: I have eight siblings. I have one that still lives in the Steubenville area. The rest are in Hawaii and south up in Connecticut and all over the place. But uh, it's interesting because there are some people still there. So Judy Woodruff about a month ago did a a special on on Steubenville, Ohio, and, and went back and interviewed people in the town about what it was like, and she was talking, Judy was saying, you know, back when in the 60s and 70s, if you're running for president, stopping in Steubenville was a must, so Jimmy Carter and, and the rest of them made stops in Steubenville, Ohio, and uh, of course, they don't do that anymore, and so she was talking to some people who stayed, and one of the people that she interviewed was a person who was in my high school class, Carmen Stefano, who stayed in... They, he's, he's still part of the union, whatever you know, little worker is left. And she was talking to him, and uh, he was saying, "Yeah, I was raised. My my father was a Democrat. and I was a die in the old Democrat. Right. And right. I, have, I have two sons, and they're Republican. And you know, it's just so different than it was. I mean, the high valley, Steubenville area, the high valley, in the before recently was all blue. So every election, that whole part of eastern Ohio, from Cleveland all the way down south, we the pass Wheeling on the Ohio side was all Democratic, and now it's completely the reverse because right. you know they have nothing to lose, and they're like you know they're you know they're hurting.
1: Yeah. And Jerry Madden is author of Steel Valley: Coming of Age in the Ohio Valley in the, the 1960s. <clears throat> What's been the reaction to your book? The, re- the
0: reaction from people in the valley has been amazing. I mean, I've, I've heard from people I haven't heard from for 30 years you know, that I went to college and high school with, and they absolutely love the book. I mean, they just they relate to it. They say it just takes me right back there. Uh, they love the love story. One of the things I did, a lot of uh, authors don't do in historical fiction, is that I footnoted a lot of the information I was talking about. So, for example, you know, when I talk about the Catholic churches and the schools, I footnote you know, when they were built, you know, who built them and that, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of information in the in the footnotes of, that actually document what I'm talking about. And when I wrote it, I was a little concerned that people might not like that. But what I've heard is that they like it because it gives credibility, you know, creds to the story because it's all sort of validated in the footnotes. Mm-hmm. So the, the reaction from people who grew up there has been just uniformly uh, positive. I mean, just
1: they just they just love it or that it's real. I mean, that you're. it's with footnotes <laughs> that make people understand this actually happened. I just happened to think of a really A-list, not that you're not, uh, author uh, Richard Russo <laughs> that's written right. about our area. Uh, and he in particular was from Gloversville. Uh, and uh, his book, Like Nobody's Fool and Somebody's Fool, and he's kind of got a series going there in Mohawk and so mm-hmm. forth. He's... Wow. um. He's well known, um, and not just where we are. There, there seems to be a market for what he has written about. I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I think, like I said, I think this is a story that resonates
0: with you know anybody who's a baby boomer, because you know, part of our generation. This story resonates with them. I don't really care where he, where they grew up. They're gonna. They seem to have similar backgrounds and similar stories, and
1: and uh, it, it's. It's really remarkable. Do you think you'll do another book? Yeah, I might. Jerry Madden is the author of Steel Valley, Coming of Age in the Ohio Valley in the 1960s. This is the Historian's Podcast. And now it's time for the history mystery. Which famous person was from Steel Valley, in particular from Steubenville, Ohio? Was it James Dean? Was it Dean Rusk? Or was it Dean Martin? We'll have the answer in just a moment. Uh, Dave Green and I produce the Historians podcast, and we look for support from you for uh, this uh, effort on our part. You can donate funds uh, to our GoFundMe campaign by going to the blue button on our main website, bobcudmore.com. The blue button will take you to our GoFundMe campaign. Or you can donate the old-fashioned way. Uh, just uh, send a check to me, made up to Bob Cutmore, to Bob Cutmore, 125 Horseman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. All right, we've been talking about Steel Valley and various places in the country that are called Steel Valley, including Steubenville, Ohio. What famous person with Dean in his name came from Steubenville? It was not James Dean, the actor. It was not Dean Rusk who became U.S. Secretary of State. It was comedian, crooner, and Rat Pack member Dean Martin, who was born Dino Cresetti in 1917. Uh, in Steubenville, Ohio. Uh, Dean passed away in 1995. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cutmore.